Welcome to uh, Ridgeview. My name is Alex Bear. I'm the lead pastor, and we're on week two of a series I started last week called Momentum. And uh, we're looking at what it takes to build spiritual momentum in your life, and then what it takes for us as a church to build spiritual momentum for the work that God has us to do. Uh, last week, we talked about the importance of this time of gathering on a Sunday and how when you decide to carve out that time, commit to that time, prioritize that time of coming to church, uh, God will use that uh, to bless you, to help you grow. And at the same time, he'll use you in that commitment to do that with others. And there's something unique and special about when we gather on a Sunday in Jesus' name. Uh, today, we're talking about all that it takes for that to happen. That is volunteers and a crew that comes together so that we can actually have an impact and find meaning in our gathering on a Sunday. Um, there's lots of pieces and lots of people that come together for church to function. Uh, there are many things that are happening uh, behind the scenes. Uh, if you're serving today, uh, we just on the front end want to thank you for the ways that you volunteer here at Ridgeview. Uh, you make a distinct and profound difference in what we do. You bring how God has wired you into the mix of our church, and it's a real blessing. Uh, if you're new to serving or not yet serving, uh, we want to encourage you to kind of take this step from the gathering of attending to uh, participating. And today's title is called Join the Crew. And it's this idea of this crew, a group of people, a team that come together to accomplish God's purposes. Uh, if you're familiar with racing, there's like a pit crew. And I want to just show a video of how a pit crew comes together and then dig into kind of how that applies to us as a church. Let's watch it. Pit crew generally consists of six people over the wall. You get about 18 half gallons of fuel fuel flows out of the fuel rig into my hose, then into the car. And then the air jack, when I plug that hose in, all that air pressure goes through the hose into the jacks, raise the car up. Change four tires. You change your tire, put it back on, and away the car goes. And hopefully less than seven seconds if you're good. We are at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway the week before the race. Uh, we are doing pit stop practice. We are getting in shape, lifting weights, and we are prepping the car to make sure everything's perfect for the race. A lot of people, when they look at a pit stop, they're like, man, that looks so easy. But people don't realize sometimes the hours that we have to put in to make it look so easy. From the outside, a pit stop looks like chaos, but it's really very coordinated. We practice pit stops because consistency is key, right? It's really working on technique more than speed. There might be a way a guy wants to put the tire on two hand versus one hand. We'll work those kind of techniques in and try and, try and get that done here so that when we go to the racetrack, we know what we're gonna do. On my first day of training, I admittedly wasn't very good. There was potential there, but I've improved significantly. It went from probably like a seven or eight second stop to cutting it in half to like a four and a half second stop now. You're good, just slow it down. You're just trying to, you're trying to go too fast. It all seems slow motion. Slow, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So if you're consistent and you're just 
go through the motions and you don't make any mistakes and you're going to be faster than somebody who goes out there and just rushes through the whole process. We practice every day. We do at least five stops each. Somebody goes back and forth with the car and you just keep doing repetition and trying new things if you have an issue and work it out until you've got it perfected. My name is Jessica Mace and I am the inside rear tire changer. I first changed a tire at the Indy 500 in 2014. I saw the guys practicing and that was something that was like, man, I really want to do that. I didn't touch a car for months. I just worked on a stationary machine and just kept going and going and going. I was like, this is something I really want to do. And I was able to change tires that year. And ever since then, I've been part of numerous pit crews. To make a successful pit stop, I gauge it on nobody's dropping a nut, air jack goes up when it should, and you're, everyone's done before fuel. If you finish before fuel, then you know you've had a successful pit stop. So we're announcing a Ridgeview Racing Team. <laughs> and I'm wearing a jacket that, that's going to... We're going to do weights out in the patio. No. Okay. The thing that I like about this is, are they committed? Absolutely. They're committed, and they see that each of their roles is significant. And you're the inside, or you're the outside, you're the, the air jack, all, all of these different things. Like they, they play their role well, and they do it all together at the same time for the success of the momentum of that race car. For us as a church, sometimes it can seem like what we're a part of is maybe just even more insignificant than that. It's like, what's well, the church? But we've actually been called a part of the greatest momentum-building aspect of life that we can be a part of. It's life's changed. And God wants to use us and how he made you and how he made me to make a difference in this world. And that happens within the context of the church. And so what I want to do for our time today is talk about the momentum that God can build when you step out of just this idea of, of observing or spectating to being a part of a crew that plays a specific role to help us build momentum. I want to walk through on the front end of a scripture in a, the book of Ephesians, which is written to a church in Ephesus, a new church that's gathering together. And Paul is the author, and he's writing of how each person can kind of best know the role that they play. And he's wanting to kind of give a vision for leadership. He's wanting to give a vision for this church. And I want to kind of unpack this uh, this morning. Let's, let's read it together. It starts in verse uh, 11. And he is talking to, about Christ, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And so Paul is talking about this crew of people in the church, and he starts describing the crew from the vantage point of leadership. And so there's this crew that God has formed, and there's leaders that have a job to do. And what's that job? And that's the, the next verse in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, uh, it's easy to gloss over this, this verbiage, but it's a beautiful picture. There's leaders, there's shepherds, there's teachers, and their job is to equip. The idea is like the primary job of leadership in the church is one of developing. How can we develop and help people? And notice the description of people here is the saints. This noble birth, this I made in the identity of Christ, born again with him, uh, we live for him, and, and notice the importance, these saints to do uh, the ministry. And so leadership is this equipping role to equip the saints to do the work. And then there's a goal, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so there's this goal, leaders, teachers, pastors, equip, develop people. 
And what's the goal? To develop people so that they could do the work of the ministry. They could be a part of God's body, the body of Christ here and now to make a difference in the world. And in this uh, verse 13, it's talking about the goal is maturity. And leaders uh, bring clarity, they bring training and instruction. But as people do the ministry, as they participate, there's a certain maturity that comes from engaging in ministry. So the goal of the church is how can we engage as many people as possible that God brings so that they can mature and experience the beauty and the privilege of being a part of the church movement in the world. And then Paul goes on in verse 14 to describe what's at stake. So he says, so so when you are part of this unity and when you're maturing and when you're helping, so that we may no longer be what children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. I want to just stop right there. Notice what's at stake. When you participate and when you're used of God in the church and when you're volunteering and when you're helping and when you're part of something bigger than yourself, that is the body of Christ in the world, you actually not only can grow, and that's that maturity, but you're prevented and, and really uh, protected against certain things. And Paul describes it as just being led astray by wrong thinking, being led astray by wrong people. Now, most of the time, we probably could take a step back and see that we're all in danger sometimes of a drift, of maybe believing things that we shouldn't, maybe doing things that we shouldn't. But here Paul is describing the drift that can be prevented when you decide to actually pull in and commit and be a part of the work of the church. That's a very interesting connection. There's this protection from participation. In verse 15, he says, rather speaking the truth in love. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to be deceived. We don't want to be led astray. Well, how does that happen? Well, you commit with a group of people. And when you do that and people are loving you and they're speaking the truth to you and you're loving them and speaking the truth to them, you grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That is, there's this maturity that keeps flourishing and you keep continue being a part of this body of Christ that's at work. And then verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So if you start in verse 11, you can see the role of the church. How do we equip people, develop people, to do the work of the ministry. And when you participate and do the work of the ministry and when you sacrifice and when you serve, you're actually protected from immaturity. You grow up, instead of just being a spiritual infant or a spiritual child, you can grow up into mature manhood and womanhood. And also, you're in less danger of being led astray and believing something that's not true. This is powerful. This is actually giving purpose. This is giving truth, and it's giving a group of people together that have this relationship that's life-giving and life-changing because we're connected to God's work through Christ in this world. So I want to just talk about this passage as it relates to a couple things. The first is just momentum builders and then momentum killers. What are things that build our momentum, according to what Paul says, and then what are the things that, that, that kill it? The first is uh, the momentum builder, number one, is, is there is a unity with uniqueness in the church, there's actually a unity in the church that should exist that you can't find anywhere else. If you look at kind of our world, everyone is trying to decide who belongs and who doesn't. And there's certain uh, kind of ranges of thought. Uh, when you're younger, you want to participate in things and you're told by your parents or by society like you're too young. And then when you get older and you're maybe not what you once were, society wants to tell you that you can't participate because you're too old. 
And then in the past, if you're a woman, you can't participate. And now if you're a man, you can't participate. And we're always being told, like, there's just certain things that you should be or shouldn't be. And if you're one of these things, you can't participate. Well, in the, the body of Christ, if you've committed your life to Christ and you're growing and you're willing to be taught and to learn, uh, God can use you. And we have a diverse group here at Ridgey that I praise God for. We have four ethnicities that, that serve. We have people from the age of 11 to people in their 70s. So we have people that can't hold a job and people that have retired from a job and we all serve in the same church. That's a beautiful thing. To think of youth that can play a difference and do make a difference and retired people who are no longer working but are sacrificing their time and energy to work here in the church. Think about the blessing that we have in Christ, that these privileges and opportunities open up. There's ministry to be done. We have people serving in law enforcement. We have teachers, bankers, stay-at-home moms, masons, students, people in IT, all, you know, everywhere in between all of those. Different careers, different expertise, different experiences, and God brings them all together, different backgrounds to work together. This unity with our uniqueness. And I want to encourage you, so much of our life, we battle ourselves because we want to change. We don't like things about ourselves. We don't like things that we do. We don't like how we look. We've maybe been told things all about, like, we have to change, we have to change, we have to change. And there's a certain thing that we always need to grow. And we do need God to continue to change us. But there's a certain aspect of how you're wired and how God made you in your personality, which God wants to use in all of its beauty to bless the church and advance the kingdom. And so while people are looking at always how to change themselves and become someone different, I believe in the church, you can be exactly who God made you to be. He is your creator. He knows you the best. As you look to him, he will give you meaning and purpose that you've never known. This is that unity with uniqueness that we have. But there is a momentum killer we have to watch out for, and it's this. If I can't be the star, then I'll just be a spectator. There's something about our uniqueness which sometimes can elevate our status or the role that we want to play. Any Cars fan, the animated Cars? Anyone remember? Who's the main character in Cars? Anyone? Lightning McQueen. Here's a picture of Lightning McQueen. There's something about that picture which is, you know, captures exactly that idea of the star. Nothing says star like that picture. But if you're familiar with the story, it was his uh, goal to be the star that caused so many problems, not only to him, but to all that related to him, and then even just his really purpose in life. And if you're like, well, I came to church and got more meaning out of cars than I ever have, you're welcome. But this relates, and this is what's helpful about you know movies and the messages, it relates to something that's in all of us. Whenever there's a situation, there's just a piece of us that we always kind of want to be uh, the star. And in our own story, we're usually the center of our own story. And in a way, this is the exact opposite of what I just said. The idea of like, we're not good enough. There's times in our life when we think we're too good. And there's a tension. And we have to battle both of those things. And sometimes uh, the enemy gets us like it's a tennis court. Like, I'm terrible, I'm not good enough. And then, but you know what? I actually am pretty cool. I'm terrible. No, I'm not. You, You guys understand what I'm saying? We all face that. And so there's something when we come and serve in the church, which it grows us and balances it out. It's our unity with uniqueness, but at the same time, we can participate, and we don't have to be the star. In the church, there's only one star, and that's Jesus Christ. It's not the pastor. It's not the leaders. It's not our style. It's not our approach. The star is Jesus, and that actually takes the pressure off because Jesus will always fulfill and exceed our expectations, but we never can. 
Jesus is all that we need, and we aren't. And so there's this part of the church which is this reminder that Jesus is the star, and I don't have to be the star because he is, but I can play my role well. So momentum number one, unity with uniqueness. Momentum number two is strong and steady support in each role. This speaks a little bit to that uniqueness and the wiring of how God made us. Go back to Ephesians 4.16. It says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I've underlined a few of these things. Now look at that first thing. Joined and held together by every joint. So out of all of the separate pieces, when we participate and serve in the church and when we commit to being a part of what God wants to do, we are supported by this work that God does. And we can't quite figure out how that unity works and how the uniqueness works, but out of the many, we're one. And we're held together. And held together is by our commonality in Christ. He is the one that supports every piece working together. And then Paul describes when each part is working properly. There's this idea of when you participate based on who you are and how God has wired you and all of your experiences, God can use you right here and right now in this season in a proper way. That is like you can meet the potential that God has for you. You can be used by God. And there might be things that God uses you in that nobody knows about, but he does. There may be things that seem really small, but it makes a big impact. There may be things that you're asked to do that you don't want to do, but God will use that to help you and to bless others. This is what Paul's describing. When each part does its part, according to being equipped for ministry, each part is working properly. There's just like it all comes together. It's that picture of that, that pit crew that's in sync and the momentum keeps going. Well, just like for that unity, uh, there's a momentum killer for each part playing its role, and it's this. Envy or devaluing other roles. Um, All of us, just like selfishness and wanting to be the star, all of us struggle with comparison. Is that a fair statement? You're like, did anyone say that? You're looking around, right? Like, we struggle with it. Comparison is something where we, we either, it's twofold. It's, I compare myself to others and I feel better about myself. I have it a little bit more together than they do. Or I compare myself to others and I feel worse about myself. They're further along. And in the church, the enemy can use that to really stir up a lot of problems. And so the idea, again, it's not comparison at each other. Even though we're bound together and, and supporting and we're held the ligament, it's, it's Christ uh, who we look to. Um, I want to show this brief video of a, a pit fail. Uh, watch this. This is really short. A disastrous pit stop for Kyle Busch. They lost the left rear wheel. You see all this on the left rear over here. You see that the uh, Jackman let the car down before the, the guy had a chance to tighten the left rear tire up. And... Yeah, a lot of times those Jackman, they go off the left front. Watch, he has his eyes on the left front. Little bit of an issue getting the left rear on. No lug nuts on that left rear. Dropped the jack. Never even looked back. Looked like a possible hand injury to the uh, left rear tire carrier. A lot of damage to the car riding around this racetrack without a left rear tire. Keep your eye on the tire. All the way back around there it to is. his pit to have a new wheel installed. I think the tire's going to make it too. The way it's going and around the track. Start in the back. There's something about NASCAR commentary. I think he hurt his hand. A whole car went down on it. Possible injury. 
Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's a possible injury. But what's really interesting, if you heard what they said, again, the previous video shows you the different roles. Uh, he was focused on the left front, but the left rear uh, wasn't done. And so it was focusing on the wrong thing. And that can happen for all of us. We can get into uh, wanting to do things that other people are doing or thinking that what we're doing is better than what others, and this happens in our relationships, this happens at work, but it also happens in the church. And so there's this part of serving where it's like, God, help me to play my role well. Help me to play the supporting role however you want me to play it so that I can help the mission that you've given us advance. And that's what God does in the church. Uh, Paul wrote to another church in the first century that was being formed and like learning together as new Christians how to work. And he describes kind of this importance of everyone knowing their role. And they didn't have like a, a race car analogy, but this is the body, the body of Christ that's being built up in love. And notice what he says about the body. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. There's that comparison. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to body, belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. So he's describing comparison. Many parts, but it's easy to think, well, like, I'd really like to be the eye, or no, I'd really like to be the, the foot. And he's just saying, like, all of it's one, one body in Christ. But if you just start kind of removing yourself from that unity in Christ, and you focus on differences or what you want, you just start focusing on the pieces instead of the whole, which is Jesus. And we have to watch out for that. In verse 17, this is a profound statement in Scripture. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Could you imagine if God just made us as eyes? I don't, okay, I won't. I'll stop myself. Kind of crazy. Like, what would that be? Well, we wouldn't hear. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, what's the last three words? As... He chose. Isn't that amazing? The body of Christ, God's given us a different role to play, just like different pieces of our body. And they all form one so that we can move forward. Now, if you're older or if you've ever had an injury and your body's like not working properly, yesterday I was standing for a long time and I kind of, you know, turned a little bit in the back. You know, when the little part's out of alignment or you got a little injury and you guys know what I'm talking about? You sneeze, cough, roll out of bed, right? Anything. Uh, if the body's like not functioning, right, you, you feel it and it impacts you. Your momentum is slowed. And so what Paul is saying is like, man, God has given you this role to play. Now, what's unique about even the ministry of the church and even what we've experienced here at Ridgeview is you may play the role of a hand, but you're not always a hand. In another season, you may play the role of an eye, of a finger, of a hair, like what, whatever it is. And I won't belabor this analogy anymore. But you get the picture. There's a role that you can play that's unique to you. And if you play it well, it supports all the other pieces of the body. And as that body comes together, it moves forward. And then Paul continues in verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? I love that. The idea is, if we were all the same, what would it look like? It wouldn't be nearly as fun, and we would not be effective. Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. My wife and I were just talking recently about uh, being young. 
And when you're young, you know, you have a certain vantage point of people. And there are people when you're younger that like can really annoy you and struggle. And you can struggle with that all your life. Like people who are different than you, it's hard to bear with them. But there's something when you get older, if you're growing in maturity and God's helping you in that area, where you see that things that are different about people that can bother you, as you get older and mature and more wise, you appreciate those differences. They bring something that I do not have. And while it's different, and while sometimes it's hard because they're different than me, their personality, their talent, their skill, the way they approach things can be a blessing. That's the picture of the church. And it goes back to the value of God choosing to make you exactly who you are. If you're a man today, God decided for you to be a man. Amen. If you're a woman, God decided for you to be a woman. Amen. If you're older, God decided the year that you would be born. If you're younger, God decided the year in which you were born. If you're pregnant and you're having kids and you're concerned about them, God decided that you would be pregnant and your baby would be born when he decided that they would be born. Amen. It's the uniqueness of the creator God bringing in this beautiful mosaic of people. And the role of the church is to say, God, who have you brought? And what shall we do with the people that you have brought? And that's the role of staff and of leaders in uh, the church. And so I want to just kind of close out our time with some uh, perspective of crew best practices. And the idea of the crew is just a team, a group of people that God brings And if you're a part of Ridgeview and participating in the ministry and serving, um, you're part of the crew. And uh, you'll see people are wearing this uh, Ridgeview shirt. I'll give these to people who are like serving on a rotation uh, that represents like Team Ridgeview. And we're, we're grateful for you. But this crew is not something where it's this elite crew that's closed. And next week, I'm going to talk about church membership. How do you join the race team? And that has just some certain things you need to be willing to do to be further committed into the body of Christ. But the idea of serving is anyone can serve here at Ridgeview. And anyone could be a member as you decide to follow Christ. And so I want to encourage you, if you're participating and if you're not, uh, here are some practices that that can help you. The first, uh, flip uh, my perspective. Each of us have to ask God to change our hearts. Serving is not that valuable in the world. Most of the time, um, people that we worship in our culture are the people are the most noteworthy. They're the best looking. They have the most money. They have the most success. Now they can have that for a variety of reasons. Some of it could be really good things that they've done and hard work. But Christ actually set a new example. If you think about the son of God and all of his majesty, he became man, the incarnate. He dwelled here on this earth. He came to our level to love us, to sacrifice for us, to pay the penalty for our sin because We couldn't ourselves. He brought power that we didn't know, but at the same time, he dwelled here. And Jesus, when he was alive, was discussing leadership with his disciples. And if you want to be a leader, and you want to be a leader at Ridgeview, I encourage you, we need leaders in our church. Every organization needs leaders. But the path to leadership is you don't go up, you always go down. That's spiritual leadership. And Jesus describes his disciples, and he tells them, you know, that the Gentiles, the leaders of the Gentiles, the authority of the Gentiles, and even Jewish leaders that they had seen, he says that they lord their authority over people. It's like they're power hungry and they leverage it for themselves. It's like the idea of like you pushing people down and you're using them as step stools to your future. And this is what Jesus says, but it shall not be so among you. 
I think that is a great phrase that we should all memorize. We use our authority to serve and to bless. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. You want influence? You want leadership? You don't climb up the ladder. You climb down the ladder. This is not found in any other place but the church. It's upside down. And whoever would be first among you must be, what does that word say? Slave. Talk about a terrifying word. But the idea is like you are willing to be a slave and a servant. Verse 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom uh, for many. For all of us, it's easy to enter a situation and want to see like, how can I be served here? How can I have my goals met? What, what's good for me? And, and Jesus is saying that that's normal, but it, it can't be among God's people. You actually have to follow his example. And that word ransom is this a word that really says it's the, the payment to set somebody free. It's like the price of release. And that's why we can actually serve. It's not because it's in us, like a goal, like, we don't usually wake up and think, like, how can I serve and lay my life down for others? But because of what Christ has done, and he's forgiven us from our rebellion, and he died for our sin, we can actually follow his example. We can be freed from self-promotion. We can be freed from trying to manipulate people to get our own way. We can actually, like he says, the son of man. That was his favorite title of himself. The idea is he came to serve mankind, to save them. And because of what he did, serving in the kingdom, serving in the church, it's like the most noble. That's actually what we're supposed to celebrate. The people who serve, they're the ones who should be elevated. And that's a goal that we have at Ridgeview. How, how, do, we, how do we do that? How do we honor those that really serve and, and sacrifice? So that's just part of that flipping the perspective. Uh, the third, or the second, sorry, is become a participator over uh, a spectator. Uh, if you're new, uh, we want you to take your time to get to know Ridgeview. Uh, you don't have to, you know, it's not like you come and you're like, hey, you want to serve in our kids like the first Sunday you're here? Uh, out of desperation, uh, people can just ask people to serve. It's like we want to give people a time to get to know us. But there's a part of which you have to move from spectating to participating if you want to grow. If you're just unsure, if you're still exploring what it means to follow Jesus, take your time. But one of the ways you explore what it means to follow Jesus is you serve, because that's what he did. And so one of the best things to, to learn is, is not information, but it's participation. And so become a participator. And then third, uh, keep flexible when things change. I'm talking about this uh, you know, pit crew and, and NASCAR. Uh, a few years ago, the tire changed. I think, I think there's a picture of it. And they went from five lug nuts to one. Could you imagine all the pit crews that have spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours learning how to do the five, and then they changed it to the one? They did that because the cars were going so fast, they needed a different type of tire. So everything changed. But all the teams now had to adapt so that they can continue with the change that was needed. And it's the same in ministry. There's opportunities that come that we don't know about that the Lord brings. There's methods and practices that we do that we need to improve in. There's things that we need to take advantage of. There's these opportunities that God brings. And sometimes it means we have to stretch. We have to change. We have to pivot. And so one of the things you can do to grow in your own life is be flexible when things change. God will use that to actually bless those who lead you. 
And he'll use that to bless your life because the idea is like, God, I don't want to just have my own expectations and I don't want to just be in control of everything. I'm going to allow you to work even in the middle of change. So I hope that's some perspective. I want to close out by giving you a little bit of a snapshot behind the scenes of our pit crew here at Ridgeview. And so I've invited Sammy Rangel. Sammy, if you want to come on out. She's our director of serve teams. Uh, Sammy does so much of the work behind the scenes to allow our worship services to happen. And so Sammy, thanks for the work that, that you do. And so if you could, why don't you just give people like a current snapshot of what our, our pit crew looks like here at Ridgeview. Yes, um, currently we have 88 people serving on our serve teams. And our current Sunday morning teams are the um, welcome team, AV team, facilities team, nursery, preschool, kids own boys, kids own girls, and the band. And then we have a few other teams that operate outside of Sunday mornings, and they are our um, RSM, which is our student ministry, our social media team, and then our events team. And most of our teams are on um, month on and month off rotations. So on the months that you're on, you serve a service, and then you can attend a service. One thing that Sammy's role does, and I really appreciate Sammy looking at us and our other leaders, is we have rotations because if we didn't have rotations then the idea was you would potentially have to serve every week of every month. And there's some churches that do that because of just the people that they have. But what we want to do is we want to actually give a rotation so you can commit to something, but there's built in some breaks. And we even are working on that for leaders. We want everyone, especially who serves, to be able to attend a service, be in here, and then serve another service, like if they're in kids. But you can only do that if there's certain rotations. And so um, 88 people, that, that's amazing. Now, I know the answer to this, but that's not always been the case. And so why don't you just give like a brief snapshot of kind of where we've been over the last few years and how God's grown our, our team here. Yes, um, I'm very grateful for the growth that God has brought. In the spring of 2021, before we moved into the Jesse Turner Center, we had about 37 volunteers. And then um, when we looked to launch two services in the fall of 2022, we had about 59 volunteers. So now in um, early 2024, having 88 is amazing. God has more than doubled our uh, number of volunteers since we moved to the Jesse Turner Center. I love that. Amen. What's, what's really significant about that is oftentimes, um, like, when we first got in here, the thought of like 88 volunteers, like how do you do that? But what God does is as you commit to ministry and to the kingdom and doing things God's way, he brings you what you need. And so now we need 88 people. We're not just building this team with just as many people as possible. It's like we need those people. And so that's what God does. He brings us the people before the growth. And he brings the people in the middle of the growth. And he brings us people for the next uh, season of growth. And so as you think about just that growth and our season of opportunity, what, what encourages you in your role as you work with volunteers and you work with, with leaders? What, what encourages you as you see the crew here working? Yes. Um, one of the things that really encourages me is the attitude of our volunteers and team leaders. They really have a can-do attitude. And that's one of our values here. Um, being a portable church, oftentimes things do not go as planned. Even this morning, we had a few hiccups. Um, but our team leaders and our volunteers are flexible, and they really rally together to make sure and to help things happen. Um, and so just the attitude is something I really appreciate, and also just the commitment. Um, again, being a portable church, setting up and tearing down every week can be a grind. But every week, there's people here 
well before service starts. There's people who serve during both services, and there's people who stay late after to help uh, tear down. And that commitment and faithfulness is really honoring to God. So I really commend our volunteers on their attitude and their commitment. Yeah, so Sammy's describing portable. If you've ever driven in, you see the truck there. Everything that we have on a Sunday morning is packed into that box truck. But that box truck, you don't open it, and it doesn't unpack itself. We have a whole crew of people who unpack it, who load it back up every week, and then people who take it from here into all the rooms, and then kids on teachers that you don't even see right now who are helping build into our kids and the next generation, like all of these things that you see and sometimes you, you, you don't see. And that attitude that Sammy's describing and that commitment is so key, and that's part of what makes us grow. That's that maturity. Like, I'm, I'm going to do what's necessary. I'm going to do what's difficult. Um, how many of you that were serving today ran into some problems, like there was difficulties? If you ever want to know, look always at the technical back team, the AV team. Um, but there, there's always problems, like Sammy mentioned. And so we don't do this because it's not difficult. There's, there's times where it, it is difficult, and it's stretching. But those are the things that, that bring the growth. So uh, we've talked about serving. We've talked about our growth of the number of people. Um, my hope is that there's people here that aren't serving yet that are interested. That they can see, like, I want to be a part of this, this crew. So what are some current opportunities and needs that we have here at Ridgeview? Yes. Um, our teams are always looking to expand and include more people. Some specific needs that we have right now are two men on our facilities team, two people to help in our preschool class, uh, two men to help in kids' own boys, and two people to help with our kids' own check-in. So those are the Sunday service team needs. Um, we also have some things outside of Sundays. Um, Easter is coming up, and so we'll need volunteers to help with our Easter festivities. And then this one's a little more specific, but we really need some updated pictures of our teams. So if you have an eye for photography and would be willing to take some pictures for us, that would be a huge help. Great. And we want the uniqueness of people who know how to take pictures, because if it's just me taking pictures, a head might get cut off, right? But me the too. idea is like, that, yes, but there's people who are gifted, like they have the, the, the artistic experience. And so that's what, that's, what God, that's what God does. And so if people are interested, um, I love that there's kind of an array of opportunities. What should they do? Yes, you can write volunteer on your connection card, and I'll contact you this week um, with some more information. Or uh, feel free to step, stop by the next step area. I'll be there after service and would love to talk to you more. And just lastly, I just want to give a big thank you to all of our volunteers. The staff and I really appreciate your sacrifice and just how you serve here at Ridgeview. That's right. Thank you, Sammy. It, it, it is such a, a privilege, like Sammy described, to see the people that God brings. And I do believe that God is arranging us all of the time for his purposes. And who you are and this season that you're in, God wants to use you. And we want to be a church that includes people for that work that he wants to do. So uh, closing out, I just want to mention two things. Uh, we do believe that volunteering and serving will help you uh, experience personal momentum. Like the scriptures described, it actually protects us from uh, just remaining spiritual, like adolescents or, or children. Uh, serving helps us grow. We mature. And so we want to see you grow. I want to see you grow. I don't want to see you stay in the same place. And serving is a great way for that to happen. And then second, uh, it also helps us increase our church-wide momentum. There's your personal growth, but there's also the personal growth that all comes together and this picture 
of momentum building because of this just peace that comes together and this uniqueness, God uses it. And I can't wait as we're talking about this momentum that God wants to build, it happens with us. And that's synergy. It's all coming uh, together. And you can see that scripture. Each part is working properly and it's building itself up in love. And there's nothing better than getting to be a part of the work that God wants to do. So wherever you are, if you're serving, thank you. Continue to serve. You're blessing our church. Uh, If you're not, we want you to participate. And so let us know how we can help you uh, do that. Let me pray together. God, I, I just thank you for our church, the work that you're doing. I thank you for the opportunity that you uh, include us in ministry. Um, You want us to be a part. Uh, We represent you uh, in the world. And we pray for our community that as we are unified and as we come together to do the work that you've given us and to serve and to sacrifice, God, will you help us to be this body of love that makes an impact in our cities, uh, in our world, And I just thank you for all of those who are serving. Will you just bless them? Will you just give them a sense of the difference that they're making? And then I just pray for those who um, are just longing for something bigger than themselves, that they'll see this time, uh, just being involved in ministry in the church is that such time. And so, Lord, we we thank you. Uh, We are just so grateful to be a part of the kingdom that you're building here. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.